and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, joined by Abdullah Abdullah for a depressing emergency Blue Royalty pod. We are coming to you 24 hours after the news dropped that Sam Kerr had done her ACL on our training camp in Morocco. A pretty crappy way to end a Sunday, to be honest. Um... Abdullah, how are you doing on sort of processing this news? I don't know how I'm processing it because I don't even know if I have processed it, but it was it was one of those bits of news where I just got bombarded with texts going like, no, and doom and gloom. I'm like, what? like no one's giving me context, right? Everyone's just like, the world has ended. And then I was like, what happened? I checked it myself and I went, okay, fair enough. Chelsea's world has ended practically in, in a sense. <laughs> and I was just telling you, I was like, I didn't even think that Sam Kerr could get an injury like this. And of all players to get an injury like this, it was Sam. And I was like, I was just kind of shocked for a second. And even now I'm just like, no way. There's no Sam Kerr for like eight, nine, 10 months. And it's it's just it's just so strange. And first off, I, I hope, obviously, I hope there's a speedy recovery and she comes back to the level that, that she's kind of been operating now and in the last few, you know, a couple of years. But it's just... Wow, that's that's all I can say. Yeah, I had like a similar experience for you. I was like getting ready to go out for a run, just been watching the snooker, had a lovely afternoon, and then suddenly I got loads of texts on my phone, and I was like, "What's going on? Why have some loads of people texting me at once?" And I was like, "Ah, that's why loads of people have texted me at once." Um, and it's definitely one of those things where I think it takes a while for it to really sink in. I feel like you can tell today, sort of on Twitter, like everyone's still sort of processing exactly what's happened um in some ways I feel quite amazed that we've had Kerr as fit as she's been for the past four years um she obviously had she's done her ACL before she had another serious knee injury before um and I think we've done very well to to have her in this position but I don't know if it's better or worse that it's like on a training camp, part of me is really glad that we didn't have to see it because I think that would have felt even worse. Um, her dad did an interview saying she was just like running and her knee just went. Um, I know there's been like a lot of ACL discourse, which there's plenty of people who've written stuff about ACLs. If you want to go and read and learn more about that, go wild. Um, I, I feel like I've talked about ACLs to death, so I don't really want to do it right here. But um, this feels like about as, as bad luck as you get. Um, I guess there are like quite a lot of questions that I think we can obviously use this pod to, to discuss our initial thoughts and reactions on. The one thing that drove me up the wall was people being like, well, the title race is wide open now. and I this made me mad on on so many levels. Firstly, I was like, Jesus Christ, someone's just like had a serious like everyone's always like, oh, research ACLs. Um, it's so sad when you know footballers get injured, sort of acting like it would just be better if footballers never played and then they'd never get injured. But then someone will do their ACL and then people will be like, ah, well, Chelsea won't win anything in a like sort of excited way. Secondly, I bookmarked all those fucking tweets because I don't know, like, what you think is going to happen, but I don't think Sam Kerr is just Chelsea. And I think if you think that right now, you haven't really been watching Chelsea. 
Um, that's obviously not to downplay Kerr's importance. I think everyone listening knows how important she is, but I just needed to get that off my chest because that made me mad. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't get the people that are kind of like, aha, Chelsea are not going to probably win the title. Not like, why is that your first, like, your first sort of reaction? Like, I don't think any of us did that when, for example, Miedema went down with the injury, Beth Mead went down with the injury. Like, you, you don't, like, okay. I, I think as a regular human being on a, on a human level, you kind of first be like, all right, that's a bad injury. And if you really think about it, for an athlete, losing eight, nine, 10, 11 months is such a, it's such a setback in their development and their career, because as we've seen with some players, it takes a long time to come back from that. Not even just to kind of get back to the level, but just to just get on the pitch and stop playing minutes. You know, we have a classic example in Kat Macario, who hasn't played for like 18, 19 months, you know? And I mean, let's remember, she, she did this injury, like, kind of on the back end of the Champions League when they had a couple of seasons ago. And even now, she's not even set foot on the pitch and played a minute of football. Ellie Carpenter had a slightly shorter recovery than uh, in the same game than Kat, but only but still took six months to get back to a level where you're now looking at Ellie Carpenter going, okay, now you're playing at the old Ellie Carpenter level, you know, that, that you kind of had. So it's um it's it's strange and um I, I don't I don't understand it, but it's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll quote tweet those people and we'll say, look, we won the league. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's 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 take a quick ad break here and then we'll get into a bit more chat sort of about what impact we think this is going to have on the team. I think no one's under any illusions that obviously this is a really big blow. Um, I do think Sam is probably the one truly irreplaceable player we have just in terms of her all-round ability how good her availability has been for the past few years I think naturally you rely on players more if they're they're able to play like for example I, f- I always felt like Penilla Harden never became like an irreplaceable player for us um, just because she was injured so much like it never got to the point where we were able to rely on her it became like a bonus that she was available I don't think because of Sam's you know so often fit um, it, it's almost become the opposite way round. Um, if you're looking at the squad, obviously there are a couple of different options here for how we do replace Sam. My feeling with all of this, Abdullah, is that what you have to do is in some ways you have to try and not replace her because there is no player inside or outside this squad who is going to slot in and do what she does. You need to use this week that you have before the first game back against West Ham in the FA Cup to start thinking about how this team plays without her. Yeah, and you kind of now are in a position where while this was just warm weather training and you're just chilling and getting everybody up to speed, it's now become an intense tactical training you know, week where you're trying to figure out how you're going to play, um, how are you going to play without Sam Kerr in the team anymore? And, you know, considering the options that we have and the natural or not so natural options at, at striker, it becomes kind of important now for Emma and the, and the coaching staff to kind of come together and, you know, understand, okay, who do we have? How can we play? And, you know, what is the best fit? And, you know, we talked about in the last episode about 
the West Ham game being this really good precursor to the to the tough games that we are coming up, you know, considering it's a WSL club, but in the FA Cup, so like they're near the bottom of the WSL, but they're still a decent enough team to go up against. This this game, I think, now has an added importance of the te- the you know the testing zone of how do we play without Sam Kerr now and what is the I would say medium term solution or you know to 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 that to that problem because this is not like a two three week one month injury two month injury this is a year plus long you know return and recovery where you kind of have to start planning for the next year and maybe only this time next year we're thinking about. Sam having regular minutes in the Chelsea team again, you know, assuming she's she's extended by that point. So I think it's just super important for us to kind of use this game and kind of understand, okay, is it me official who's the long-term, long-term person there? Or like you try plan A and plan B for like say 60 minutes and 30 minutes. So you know you can use me official up front or you use Frank Kirby or whatever the combinations that you have. But yeah, this this the rest of the training, the week for the training camp, plus this game against West Ham, I don't think the importance of it can be understated and maybe to some extent um, kind of helps to you know, lay the platform for the second half of the season. Yeah, where do you sort of stand on... Let's let's talk within the squad as well. I think we can do a little bit of chat around whether Chelsea should bring someone in, but where do you sort of stand on... For example, let's start with with Mia because I think Mia is is the obvious immediate option here, right? Like she's been with the squad for six months. Chelsea spent a, a big chunk of money on her. Okay, we did do the whole conversation yesterday about how money's kind of meaningless, and I think it's fair to say that they bought her for potential rather than for right now. But at the same time, you've got a young striker who's been brought in as a backup and now has an opportunity to play. It feels like to me, it would be potentially quite detrimental to then bring in, like, look to bring in someone who'd go ahead of her. From Chelsea and Emma Hayes' perspective, it is almost quite interesting because, obviously, on the one hand, Hayes can kind of have this win-now mentality. She brings in whoever she wants, I guess, to get things over the line. But on the other hand, she's still going to have to manage me official next year. So there's this kind of, like, intriguing double set of interests going on there. I think it's fair to say that Mia Fischl is quite raw still, but do you think she has the ability not to step into Sam Kerr's shoes? Because as I say, I I don't think any one player is going to do that. It's going to be a combination. So kind of stripping Kerr away from it, do you think Fischl has the ability to consistently lead Chelsea's line? I do think there's something there with with me. I, I think I think she is raw. I agree with you. She is very raw in that sense. But so far, the snippets that we've seen, I do think there is potential there for a player of her mold to eventually go in and really become this uh, starting level striker for Chelsea and kind of lead the line. Because I think mainly because I think her play style suits the way Chelsea's players around her are. Right? You know, she's very much a Let's hold up the ball. Let's get other players into play. Let's bring in the wide players, you know, and the profile of players that Chelsea have right now in Frank Kirby, Aggie Beaver Jones, Gura Wright, and a lot of them like to both not just stay out wide, but they like to come inside and kind of like playing off players and kind of using the spaces in behind. And I feel like Mia Fischl is very much a player that can enable that sort of movement and that sort of um, 
uh, that sort of play. So I think in that sense, I do think that there is something there for Chelsea to work with. I, I think I agree with you that there is a rawness and there is a delicate balance between picking me official week in, week out, and kind of taking that gamble of, all right, you've got the potential, you are raw, but then at the same time, um, you know, do you, uh, can you do it, you know, in the big games and those question marks are there. But then I think if you can offset that to an extent by having Frank Kirby, and I think now more than ever before, I think Frank Kirby's importance cannot be understated enough because with the experience of Sam Kerr gone and the big game mentality of Sam Kerr gone, you have to rely on a Frank Kirby, on a Guru right now to be able to bail you out of those games. And I think more than Guru, I think Guru has reached that level in the last last season and, and this season. And maybe obviously with the injury now that she had, so it was kind of stunted. But Frank Kirby has historically been the big game player for Chelsea. And I think for the next six months, she becomes, for me, Chelsea's most important player, not just in terms of bringing that attack together and adding that, giving that experience, but I think just giving that big game mentality, coming in with those clutch goals, and if we can get a little bit of that Frank Kirby back and have that added responsibility on her, uh, which she can do anyway, um, it uh, it just becomes... Um, it just becomes supremely important for us. And and when you have a Kat Makari who has to come back now, Aggie Beaver-Jones can play up front, which I think is another, I don't know if we'll go into it, but I think Aggie Beaver-Jones playing up front can be a very smart way to to mix up the minutes with me. I know they're both young, but she's shown really good flashes and it wouldn't be a bad shot now to give the two young strikers equal game time and see who comes out on top. And 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 kind of show what they're what they're all about because they've both scored a few goals already, and then you've got Guru, and then you've you know you've got that depth over there. So I think that's kind of where my head's at with this. Yeah, I think from Mia's perspective, there are elements of her game that I've really liked. I think her hold up play has been really good. Um, I think you could see in that Spurs game where she scored her only goal so far. Um, she clearly had a relationship with LJ building, which looked really good. Um, I think she's, at the moment, she's almost at her best more with her back to goal. And this is kind of what concerns me because I don't think it, it doesn't have to matter because, as you say, when there are players like Guru, when there's players like Frank, we're not short on goal scorers. But looking at the minute she has played, so... She starts the game against Spurs. Then she starts against City. She's hooked at half time. I don't really think that's her fault. She starts against Villa. She's hooked at 57 minutes. And everything else, she's come off the bench. But since that Spurs game, she's only had one shot on target in sort of a run of 10 or so games, um, probably about 240 or so minutes in total. That's like a really poor amount of production, in my opinion especially when you're coming on in games where Chelsea are winning comprehensively. So I'm looking at, you know, being the game against Everton, the game against Liverpool, she got 50 minutes, all of these, game against Paris, game against Bristol City. Like all of these are things where you're like, you'd like to think she gets shots off at least. And I will say Aggie Beaver-Jones has shown that you can get shots off and score goals in these games because obviously she had her big run of scoring predominantly as a substitute um 
So I, for me, that is a little bit of a concern. I would be intrigued to see Aggie get a run out as the nine, even though we've not we've really only seen her off off the wings or predominantly off the wings. I think she got about ten minutes in that like Roma preseason game as the nine, and then she was moved to wing back. Um, but again, that feels like a risk because we've not seen her do it yet. So. There are like there are options there, and you're gonna need someone to to spearhead the attack. And as I say, I feel like it it should be Mia, but it it's gonna be a big big jump up. I guess sort of the wild card option in terms of who plays as the nine is is a little bit cat right. Um, obviously she's back in training. Um, she tweeted earlier, you know, Chelsea tweeted training pics of her, and she said it was great to be back on grass. But Chelsea would have wanted this to be the opportunity to really, really slow her, reint reintegrate her um, into playing football, presumably. Do you think there's pressure now to to speed that up? Do you think Chelsea will feel like they want to get her up to speed quicker, potentially so she can play as the nine? I think there's a temptation, but I think Chelsea aren't going to be very rash about it. I think there will be a little bit of a temptation to bring her back a little bit quicker, and maybe there will be an element of 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 speeding up her recovery and kind of pushing up the timeline a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be much. I think, I think in all fairness, I think everybody knows in the medical staff and even the coaching staff that, that cat's not played in over a year and a half. And you can't just throw a young player, albeit experienced in this one or champions league into a new team. She hasn't played with anybody yet, you know, properly. She's kind of been, she's just come back into training. She's just been kicking a ball around to kind of come in and start giving you serious minutes and, and having a serious impact. Like, I just don't think it's viable. I don't think it's feasible. And I think for everything that Emma Hayes is, we know about her. I think player welfare, I think for her comes kind of a little bit first than, than, than anything else. And I think that'll be at the back of her mind because it's not just going to be about what Chelsea do in the next six months. It's about her long-term future and Chelsea's long-term future with Kat, the club, right? You don't want to be throwing Kat in. There's a reoccurrence of the injury. And then suddenly you're out with your your cat's out for another six to eight, you know, six to seven months in, in rehab and recovery. I mean, kind of look at what Ada Hagerberg has to had to go through, right? She had the big injury. She kind of came back for about a month, disappeared again for like three, four, five months, and then only really mid of last season started kicking on and playing, um, playing well. And kind of maybe are you can argue that Ada still isn't back to her hundred percent best pre-injury. So you don't want a repeat of that sort of situation um, with with Kat. So I think they will be mindful of that. But I think to an extent, they will have to maybe look at bringing her in maybe a couple of games sooner than 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 anticipated. But I think the presence of Aggie Beaver-Jones alongside me official, I think that kind of eases a little bit because at least you still have two players that can play as the nine. And... Uh, and and kind of give you a two different profiles in there. And, and I agree with you. I would love to see Aggie start as a nine for a few games and, and kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah, and I think this sort of comes back to, to what you were saying about the importance of Fran and the importance of Guru. I think my concern there is it feels like Guru's obviously been in a position where she missed two months because of injury. Fine, she seems to be back. Fine, that's great. But I think as a result, she's not having the season she had last year which is understandable. It's been a bit stop-start. Uh, she came back also in a pretty rubbishy run of results for us as well. Um, but I feel like she's not necessarily in the place where you're like, 
great. She's going to hit the ground running. I also think that's true for Fran, who's obviously had her minutes, I think, quite tightly prescribed um, because of, of the injury she had. Um, and I think the thing that makes this this tricky and particularly is something that feels quite underrated about Sam is the leadership role she's been playing at, at the club this year. Obviously, we don't know when Millie's going to be back. And despite a flirtation whereby Maren Mielder was vice-captain, it's been pretty clear that Sam's been vice-captain um, for the majority of the season. Where do you think, how do you think that leadership option gets gets taken up? Because, you know, I mean, Guru, for example, was captain Norway before. Fran is just not really that type, type of personality, and that's fine. Erin's obviously someone we've seen take the armband, and I think she'll be really, really crucial. But the, the, I think this is like what's so tricky about replacing Sam in that sense, right, is on the face of it, you'll see a lot of people talking about the goals which is totally understandable. Um, but the goals is almost not what worries me. It's that sort of leadership, which I think also ties into the like real clutch element of the way Sam plays, because that ability to pop up and like score the goal when we're not playing um, very well, for me, that like encapsulates what she's like as a leader. She takes responsibility for this team. And who do you see as like being able to take on, on that role um, if Millie... Well, both, even if Millie comes back, right, she's still a defender. I think you need someone in the attacking arena, even though, I mean, Millie can do it as well in the attacking arena sometimes, but. That's like, you know what plan B is? Millie, Millie Bright, permanent striker while Sam's Millie out. Bright, Millie Bright, number Bright, nine. nine. Wow. Let's do I've it. I've not seen anyone say it yet. I know. So you're the first. I'm there you that. go, Millie Bright, number nine. Let's do it. Let's have it. No, I agree with you. I think the amount of, like, I, I think, the point with Sam is she may not have the output in terms of volume of goals that she did in her first couple of seasons at Chelsea, but the clutch goals that have come in in the last year or so have just been unreal. Like you need a goal, you need to win a game, Sam curves up there for you, right? And you're right. It's it's kind of tough who who takes that responsibility because we haven't seen anybody do it on a consistent basis. But you know, maybe without even having a name, and obviously the, the obvious ones are Fran and Guru, but maybe even without naming them because of the point that you made about them not being at full fitness and not hitting the ground running, maybe this is a time and this is a moment where a new leader emerges from that team, right? Whether it's from midfield, whether it's from the the, the up front, you know, someone maybe, you know, maybe it's 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 got to be someone from there. Like, Maybe this is the moment that a uh, Aggie Beaver Jones or or a Yelena Kankovic or Melanie Loipols they suddenly decide that you know <clears throat> this is this is the moment that they need to step up and maybe it forces the rest of the squad now to to kind of look at like okay Millie's injured Sam's injured from an attacking perspective and I think I think defensively I think if we just take it back a second I think Jess has taken up that responsibility role at the back with with Millie gone. So we've we've had that leader emerge and someone who's played well and it's kind of rubbed off on a Neve Charles and and all that, right? So you 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 have that you have that character there. And I think up front, I think it's it's time for us now to see where that is. You would think that it's Frank Kirby, but like you said, the minutes are restricted. We don't know whether she can play 90, 90 minutes anymore every single week, which was not likely. So someone has to be there that can come in and maybe in this case it is Guru because she arguably is probably going to be the most consistent player in that attack that is experienced and that that can that can score us goals and, and winners you know to to do it for us i mean i wouldn't be surprised if 
Aggie gets a run of games and does well. Or maybe it's someone like Yelena Kankovic, who's kind of gonna kind of gone missing for a while because of the injury. Everyone forgot about her. She's back in the squad. <clears throat> Sorry, and um, you know, maybe this is a moment for her to start getting a run of the, in the run of games and, and minutes in the team. And she steps up for Chelsea and goes up there. So yeah, I, I would think it's it's maybe time for a new attacking leader to come through and take responsibility of trying to win games because if they can't look for Sam Kerr anymore, someone else has to step up and take that mantle. Yeah, and someone whose name I'm I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen like sort of talked about and what she can maybe do is is LJ. I feel like everyone understands that LJ is someone who still has a lot of developing to do. And I think that's okay. But I also think it's really underrated the responsibility that she can and does take in games. I feel like this is something that we've seen more for England potentially than we have for Chelsea. Um, but I definitely feel like obviously the the red card at the World Cup, I think for a lot of English fans, um, frustratingly took away from what she'd done in the group stage but she single-handedly ran England's group stage campaign when they weren't very good and that was I think a real turning point for her I think we have seen her do it for Chelsea more this season I think she's on nine goal contributions in 13 appearances so far this season um which is pretty impressive really uh like Sam's I think on about like 11 in total so I think it will be really, really interesting for LJ's development to see whether this is an opportunity also for her to to step up and, and maybe take a bit more responsibility in that attacking line. I think, again, like she's never going to be someone a bit like Fran who's going to want to have the captain's armband. But we've seen Fran like take that kind of responsibility in, in her own way as well. And I think, you know, LJ's ability to like conjure stuff out of nothing in the way that Sam does, like they're almost the two closest players, I think, to to doing that even even Kirby's like um incredible ability on the ball I always feel like she's someone who really she thrives the most off when she's working with somebody um but I think LJ obviously clearly like loves that spectacular moment just like Sam and I think it will be really well I hope that for her like she sees this uh as an opportunity also to step up Let's take another ad break here and then we will finish off by having a little bit of a chat about whether it's worthwhile dropping into the transfer market. So obviously this injury has taken place during January. Um, We did our Natalie Bjorn thing. I think everyone sort of thought that was going to be Chelsea's main slash only incoming. Obviously... There's the potential that the Kerr injury changes that. Lots of people saying Chelsea should sort of just go out and drop money on whoever they think is the best goal scorer they can get hold of. Um, where do you stand on on this one, Abdullah? Um, I think I know because you tweeted about it and I tweeted about it too. So I think we're on the same page on this. But um, for me, it feels like that would be a little bit of a big risk. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like people tend to agree with our take. I I don't know why the amount of replies that I got were like, no, we have to, we can go and do this. We should go, guys. Let's let's calm down. Let's take a second to think about this. Like, okay, I think we both agreed that there is no, well, there's no point. But I don't think we should be going and buying someone because if you're gonna go buy someone in the mold that you would want to replace Sam Kerr with, what are you gonna do when Sam Kerr comes back and have? 
ideally you want her to extend. So, and if you go and buy somebody who literally is like, let's just say Ada Hegerberg or Katoto, right? Let's just put names out there for a second. Sam looks at it and goes, wait a second, why are you replacing me with someone who is as on, you know, as good as me, my level? Do you not want me anymore? What's going to happen when I come back? And then that could force it to maybe not sign or, or whatever. And I think you just create a problem for yourself down the line. And you also kind of stunt the growth of Mia and Aggie Beaver Jones, right? Because you, if you get someone too good, that player is going to want to start every single game. And then you're back to square one that you were with Sam. But in this case, you kind of are in this mold of you eventually you have Sam Kerr, new striker, Mia Fischel, Aggie Beaver Jones. You're losing one of them, if not, you know, if not two. So you, I think that's the one problem. I think the second thing is, even if Chelsea were to go and buy somebody, you'd have to get someone who's better than Mia and Aggie, but not as good as Sam, but still good enough to score goals. It's a very, very small, narrow search that you'd have to go and find. I mean, I don't know. Beth England is a, is a shout. <laughs> you know, maybe if you heard of her. Um, like, if we had Beth England, I don't think we'd be having much of this conversation because we know what Beth England can do, right? But alas that 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 ship just sailed on but i just i just don't think there's a viable name in the market that you can go in and buy that will satisfy all of those criteria and not upset the balance of the squad and probably to an extent i think that that maybe we haven't talked about is kind of will knock the confidence of both aggie and mia like you know with the club going and going buying somebody else because like wait do you not then trust us to do this job because this is literally what we have been waiting for in, in terms of a chance to really get a run on the team. Now that they have this chance, before they can even prove themselves, the club has said, ah, you know what? We don't believe in you. We're just going to go get somebody else, right? I understand that the season is important, the league's on the line, the Cups, the Champions League, but there has got to be that balance. If you you bought me official for £250,000, there's got to be some trust level there, right? This is the moment that she's got to come in and, and show that I am £250,000 worth of money and in an Aggie Beaver Jones, you're like, you were kept around from all the Loney Academy and the, and the players that were going out on loan. You were the one that was kept here because they believe in her. She's already scored five, six goals. So what happens to that confidence if they go and buy another striker? So for me, I just don't see much of a sense in buying another striker uh, in January, maybe revisiting it in the summer once you've had six months of these two playing and you assess it. And then you can kind of see what you want to go and get. But for me now, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think I agree. I think the only direction I would be tempted to go in would be to get another young-ish striker to potentially look at developing alongside Fischl. Although I do still think that, again, offers the kind of squad building issues that you've already touched on. Like, look, forget even Sam coming back from injury. You know, Cap Macario is somebody who we are going to want to play a lot. And okay, we don't want to rush her back in, but let's say we get to March and she's had three months being integrated in the squad. This is somebody you can play as the nine or as the 10, but let's say like you have LJ or Frank Kirby or Jesse Fleming holding down that 10 role. Macario is going to be someone who's rotating, presumably with potentially Mia or any of those, those four tens to get minutes there as well. So I think what's... <laughs> not annoying obviously like it's all annoying but you know if if for example cat had been able to come back 
in that last sort of month before Christmas, I would be, I think, a lot more stringent on being like, it's not worth going into the transfer market at this point. Um, because I would, I, I do feel like between Kat and Mia, they should have it covered at least at a level that's, um, works in terms of the development of them as players that keeps the sort of squad intact, that doesn't leave you with more issues down the road. A bit like the issues that we kind of flagged that could potentially be down the road from the Natalie Bjorn signing. Um, the problem is obviously with Kat potentially not being that available for now um that creates a further issue the other issue which also relates to Natalie Bjorn signing is the gold cup um everything we were talking about with Kadisha Buchanan and Ashley Lawrence applies to Kat Macario and Mia Fischel um with the again funny twist that Emma Hayes probably will have a hand in uh, selecting them for that um so again that I guess opens up the door to being like well do you want someone to um come in because okay like we know Aggie Beaver Jones can play as a nine, but given we've not really seen her get many minutes there, is that the direction the club really thinks she's going to go in as opposed to playing as a winger? Um, so I don't know. They're all the kind of things that, that there is to think about. And it's it's so many different permutations, I guess, that, that makes it so hard, right? You've got Sam's injury, but then below Sam's injury, you've got all this stuff about just question marks like Mia's development, um, Kat's injury, the impact of the Gold Cup. Um, we've not even talked about a player like, for example, like Michael Hamano, someone else who's going to be in the squad and going to be looking for minutes. Um, so what does bringing in another attacking piece to that puzzle look like? And realistically, who are you going to get that's also not going to come with their own questions? Because whoever you get, you're going to have to introduce to Emma Hayes' style of play and we've repeatedly seen that players struggle to get up to speed with it quickly because that's, you know, she normally likes to take time to, to work players in. By which point you're at the summer and you've got a new coach and who knows where Mia is, who knows where Kat is. Um, even then you'll have a more realistic uh, prognosis on what Sam Kerr's recovery is going to be like. Like, is it going to be nine months? Is it going to be 12 months? We've seen with ACLs. There's a massive um, variety in these things. So, I mean, I can imagine Chelsea do go into the transfer market, but I I think my personal opinion is still that it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be the right idea. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with kind of everything you said. I think mainly because the, I, I think I think you, you raised a really good point and I think that's kind of, we need to bring it up is, there's a new coach in six months, and if whoever Chelsea end up buying will have to be a Paul Green decision more than an Emma Hayes decision, right? And if it's going to be a kind of a mixture of maybe even if, even if it's 70-30, it doesn't make any sense because what if the new coach doesn't actually want a striker like whoever they would intend to buy in January, and then you kind of waste, you know, uh, a place in the squad, wasted money, transfer fees, whatever, whatever. And then you kind of then have to think about, um, you know, how that how that plays out. Whereas if you kind of keep what you have, and I know that Emma Hayes, she's going to have a hand in kind of helping pick who's going to come in. But I think just putting all those factors together, and, and like you said, it takes six to eight months for a player to acclimatize and work in an Emma Hayes team. And what's the point? If the player is going to be playing like 20, 30 minutes a game for the next six months or the odd 90 minutes, then you're back to square one. So again, like, I think 
everyone kind of we all need to understand this is the dynamic of Chelsea. This is how Emma Hayes runs her her new signings. I mean, all right, do we think, regardless of whether Cat is going to is coming back from an injury or not? And Mike Hamano is okay. Let's take Mike Hamano's example. Even if she was 26 years old with like you know 70, 80 games under her belt, and she came now, there's no way she's playing 90 minutes every single week. You have to be Sam Kerr to be playing 90 minutes every single week as soon as you come to the club, right? That level of player. So, what makes anybody think that this new striker will just come in, hit the ground running, and then stop playing every single minute of every single game for the next six months? I don't think that's kind of viable or plausible. So, but when you have two players in Aggie, in um, Mia, and you have returning players like Yelena Kankovic and Melanie Leupold's, who albeit will play in midfield or as a 10, you can use combinations of those. And then, obviously, like we've got LJ, we can build around. Use a combination of those and then play. At least then you almost have a better guarantee of getting something to work with the players that are used to playing in the system rather than getting a new entity in there and kind of saying, let's see what happens if we throw you in the mix when we're already trying to adjust to life without our main striker there, right? So I just think it's too convoluted. It's too it's too confusing. And, and it's just better if we just don't go and get anyone. The Bjorn, the Bjorn thing's different. Like it's, there's enough familiarity around and she's just going to come in and kind of fill in a position because players are leaving and there's multiple players going away. In this case, we still have the cover to, in terms of number of bodies to play without Sam Kerr. In defense, we probably didn't. So yeah, I think that's the biggest difference over there. Yeah, and I think there's an argument to be said that in some ways, uh, the way Chelsea play, that sort of your centre-backs, full-backs become more specialised roles, whereas I think generally we see that Chelsea in the past have signed quite tactically versatile attackers I mean I think tactically versatile all over the pitch but you know we've kind of spoken about Fischl and Macario and Aggie Jones as sort of potential number nine stand-ins because they're all players who've either said that's where they want to play or have done it before but equally there's no reason you couldn't see Kirby, Wrighton, Fleming, anyone any of those sort of players as some kind of quasi false nine just because Chelsea are going to have to rejig the way they play. I think the only one really, or the only two really, of the um, attacking players who I wouldn't want to see do that is Johannes and Canary, just because I think it would be disastrous. And and Lauren James, because I think it's so important she gets on the ball. And I think you'd need her to, to drop way too much um, than to have her sort of higher up the pitch. But yeah, I, I agree. I think Chelsea have a lot more options in terms of how they reconfigure the attack. But then who knows? I also think Hayes will feel... You know, all of this stuff that we've talked about, the question marks for the future, like Hayes doesn't have any incentive anymore to think about that. Like Hayes is working on a, a six month schedule. So she's presumably going to push for whatever she thinks she needs. And if she looks at the squad and thinks, no, fuck it, I want a, a striker in there still, someone who I believe is going to score goals. I mean, why she doesn't think me official is that person, if that is the case, like that's another question. But equally, she's got to see official a lot more than we have in the past six months so that might be her more accurate assessment of her now um but it will definitely be interesting to see um I think obviously this is a situation that nobody wanted to see that no one really envisaged it totally changes the picture for for the season ahead um so I guess Abdullah just to finish off it maybe it's worth thinking like how how has this changed your feeling about the second half of the season to come like where's your head at sort of on what you think Chelsea can achieve what you think they should be expecting to achieve without Sam Kerr oh 
I think you have to be at first glance, you've got to be a little bit wary and, and, and say that I think chances of winning at least the league and maybe the cups has has reduced to to an extent just because Sam Kerr just gave you an extra 20% just on her own because of the clutch goals and everything. So I think automatically you've got to taper down a little bit of expectation going, okay, the league isn't, it was never a foregone conclusion or it wasn't like a thing, but you were almost more confident. Like, all right, cool. We can, we can figure it out. We can get through. We've got Sam Kerr. We've got all these players. We can, we can go ahead and we can, we know we can win these big games. Right. Now, I think the question comes down to how they adjust. If we can see in the next three, four games that Chelsea can adjust well, especially in the league, I think then um, I think then we can kind of maybe say, okay, fine, there's still a good chance to go there. But I think overall, it's I think it's going to be one of those things where it comes down to the last day and Chelsea will really have to do significantly well. And I think if they do end up winning the league, for example, and retaining that fifth title without Sam Kerr for six months, arguably maybe one of the best title wins because of this half season because you've lost your literally your your best player so yeah i think i think it really does it it comes down to how they adjust but yeah i think definitely uh expectations need to be tempered now just because we've probably lost 20 percent right there yeah i think that's probably a fair assessment i think it, it would be i mean Look, we were talking about this last year, even sort of with Harder and Bright being absent. I think there's always a sense of with Chelsea that people are sort of so confident in our ability that um, they also like somewhat underplay the absentees. And I think if we do well from here, we will see this happen again with Kerr. And I think it's important to emphasize, like you've just said, that like going on and, and winning the league, for example, from here will be um will be a really impressive achievement. Just like winning the league is every year, to be totally honest. Um, I don't really think it matters how many times you do it. Um, I still feel I feel better about the league than cup competitions, just because I think it allows. Well, I think firstly, um, Chelsea really benefit from sometimes having that backs against the wall mentality and I think this will be like sort of a catalyst in terms of the team um wanting to sort of get it done for Kerr and for Hayes um I also I'm a bit skeptical about what the competition is um I certainly don't really feel like I don't feel like Sam Kerr was like the difference between us being better than Arsenal and City this season at the moment. I think we are just better than them. That's not played out in every result we've seen. And, you know, it it's a long campaign. There's 12 more matches to go. Um, but for me, that wasn't the sole difference. So I think there's no reason if we keep our heads that we can't win the league. In cup competitions and like in the Champions League, especially, I feel a little bit different. I think firstly, because... Kerr, for whatever reason, is just like, she has this little bit extra for the Champions League, I think. I think, you know, for her, it's obviously a competition that she really wants to win. I think it was the big motivation for her coming to play in Europe. Um, I think it's natural if you've not won something like that and you've you've won a load of like other titles that that's the thing you're going to be going for. So I think she's a really big loss there because I think the margins are, are so much tighter in all cup competitions, but obviously especially the Champions League. And I think that's where I do worry a little bit more. That being said, I will still say 
my issue with Chelsea in the Champions League hasn't changed particularly because my issue with Chelsea in the Champions League is we can't really defend for shit at the moment. Um, and Sam Kerr or not, if that doesn't change, we were never going to have a shot. So I think that's the case of like, we need to see that. And I, this is probably going to be true broadly anyway. If you lose your best goal scorer, it's a lot harder to stick to a approach of like outscoring your opponent the way we were talking about the other day. Um, I think Chelsea will have to look to tighten up defensively and it'll be interesting to see if we we do get those maybe overall tactical changes again, like to to do this thing that we're talking about. Like you can't replace Sam Kerr. You have to sort of build a new team in, to a certain extent. And part of that might be being a bit more risk averse than we've seen so far this season. Yeah, I know. Uh, exactly. And and I think um, I think it just, again, comes back down to the fact of how can Chelsea adapt? How well do they adapt and um, adapt and, and whether or not they can they can do it? I, I think you're right. We can't defend. We don't have our best defender on the pitch. We are, you know, we're, we're, we keep chopping and changing our, our back line anyway, whether it's Yves Perez one day, Ash Lawrence the next, um, you know, Kitty should be canon one day. And I think until we can sort those issues out and maybe just get um you know get these key players back into the team, then I I yeah, I don't see it. And I think now even without without Sam Kerr, especially I think the other teams in the Champions League, I think they're just more settled in their teams. They've got their their systems down and um I think I think they've just got um maybe a little bit a little bit more like Barcelona or Barcelona. I think they they they're they're looking. They're looking pretty decent as they always do. Um, I don't think you can discount Leon again. They, they again. They look a lot more settled in their back four with uh, Vanessa G- uh, Gilles and 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 Wendy Renard and 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 Co. Um, and you know where else? I don't. I don't. I can't see beyond those two for the Champions League. I think again Chelsea with Samker. If we had her there, Millie Bright comes back. Things improve defensively, and in midfield when you get the players back, then I think yeah, cool. There's a chance, but. Um, when you uh, when you don't have Sam Kerr and you have to now worry about your back line and you have to worry about your front line now, I think it's just maybe just too much and beyond them this season. And you know, I think getting to the court semifinals, sorry, rather, I think that then becomes uh, that becomes a, a tough ask now. Well, I'm sure this is something that uh, we will be talking about throughout the rest of the season. I think Kerr's absence is going to hang over. Lots of things, good and bad, for Chelsea. But, Abdullah, thank you for joining me today for this emergency pod. Obviously, Chelsea returned to action. Sam Sam, uh, the first of many um, in the now cursed Mewis Kerr derby that's taking place on uh, on Sunday in the FA Cup. Um, so we'll be with you after that game. Uh, but until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>